And now, welcome to The Approach with Jeremy Seaholm, Danny Finn. Welcome to The Approach Podcast, episode 31. 31, yeah. 31. We're in uh, San Jose, I believe. You could just make it up at this point, I think. Uh, maybe not San Jose. I don't know. It's somewhere in Santa Clara. Santa, Santa Clara. Did you look that up? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. I looked it up. Um, yeah. E- either way, uh, we're 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 in the we're in California, California this week. What do we got on today? Uh, we have Amanda Carroll. I'm really excited about it. I'm excited for her her match coming up on on Sunday for a Candlepins for Cancer, where she's going to be pulling Jeff Surrett. Great, uh, great prize for your first match. <laughs> Here you go, Jeff Surratt. <laughs> but at the same time, and and I'll tell her when we talk about it, like Jeff is one of those guys that will do everything he can to like make you feel comfortable. Like, I, I guarantee you, if she's if she's feeling nervous or like or like he'll he'll be one to like calm her down. Like he, oh, I, I don't I think she could have asked for a better opponent. You would just think that in a ladder, your first match shouldn't be one of the hardest. I mean, not that there's a sleeper <laughs> in this group. They're all right. great bowlers, but it's like, all right, so I'm, I'm going the four seed. If I can get past that, it only gets harder. Who do I got first? Uh, you have Jeff Surratt. Oh, <laughs> and then it gets worse. Cool. <laughs> well, I mean, it's like the second time I made Channel 50, and it's like, you know, I was the three seed. Congratulations. You're bowling Sean Baker. I'm like, oh. Yeah. Uh, okay. Wasn't it, wasn't it Morgan if you beat him? So, and if I beat him, it was like, here's Mike Morgan. Yeah. Uh, okay. And then if you beat him, here's Jeff Surrett. I mean, this is, this was like 23 year old Jeff Surrett or 21 year old Jeff Surrett, who was a crazy person. Yeah. You know, like he was like, I feel like some of his best bowling was, you know, in his early twenties. But I think that that goes to show you that how popular Candlepins for Cancer tournament is in the sense that you have five elite bowlers. You don't have a person that slipped in that didn't, not that I would ever say somebody didn't deserve to get in, but there's nobody that snuck in that's typically, oh, you know, I know I, I get uh, people go after me for this, but I'm a one Oh bowler. If I just had a day and it's like, okay, Danny Finn snuck in like those aren't, those aren't the people that are sneaking in. You're going against top level talent. Every, every match is a match. Right. Exactly. And that's no, what I agree with you. Good to see. So, uh, so we'll get Amanda in and then we'll be back with spare thoughts. Welcome to the show. We're excited to have you. Thank you for having me. Uh, you excited for next Sunday? I am I'm a little nervous, but Who's who's going to be more nervous, you or Jeff? I don't know. We've been talking, so we bowled together a few times, and it should be a good match. I hope. I, th- I, think, I think I think in a lot of ways too. Like uh, I was actually talking to Kate right before the podcast. You know, you have Bob Allard's big uh, Battle of the Sexes tournament coming up. I feel like this is kind of one of those pinnacle matches that people would have been looking forward to in that tournament. And it's happening this Sunday. I know. Have so you ever we'll bowled? See how it goes. I'm just worried. I mean, I've never been on TV. I've never bowled with the lights. I've never, I just actually went and practiced yesterday with Shannon Scribner, like with the format, like bowl one box on one lane and one on the other and then sit. Like I've never done that. So it should be interesting. I didn't bowl very well yesterday. So <laughs> you gotta get those bad ones out of the way. I mean, that's, that's yeah. one of the tough things. Like, is there hasn't been a lot of TV things up in Maine. Right. Yeah, because I was talking to. Oh, and I, was, I didn't. We didn't. I didn't do it as a kid either because I was involved in other sports too. So I, I mean, I did state tournaments and things, but I never really got into 
going out of state very much when I was a kid. So that's that's one thing that actually uh, Tim brought up to my attention that you're a three you were three sport athlete in college. I was. Yep. No, we, he said you were all conference in one of them. Were you all conference in all three? Um, I was. I was uh, freshman year. I was all conference in softball, and then I played first base, and then I pitched my last three years. So I didn't. I mean, our team wasn't that good, so um, I didn't make it the rest of the years. I was in basketball. I don't think I made first team, but second or third team, I think. And then I played softball my, I mean, excuse me, soccer my senior year and my master's year because I didn't have a goalkeeper and I had never played goalie before. And I made up first team all conference both years. So (laughs) (laughs) where did you find time to bowl or or did you start bowling like later on? I bowled when I was a kid and then I did bowl in the summertime when I was in college. I didn't bowl very much when I was in college, but then after I picked it back up. I was about to say, it doesn't seem like you had time to. Yeah, I didn't have much time. No. Nope. And you're still playing softball now, right? I'm coaching. coaching. I coach softball. Yeah, because- I coach a 14U team and um, we have a, our own team main is our um, team that we have. So this year we only have a 12 U team and a 14 U team, but we run the program. So. And again, one of the questions Kate had that, uh, that I have to ask before I forgot your mom, you are a softball coach. You're one of the top, you have to say what top two or three female bowlers active right now. Her question was, where do you find all the time? (laughs) Well, I mean, we have to make time for ourselves. Um, bowling is something that I love to do. Um, I can't, I don't do much competitive things myself anymore and I'm a very competitive person. So I have to take that time to do that for myself. I only bowl league on Tuesday nights. I saw, I bowl with Brooke Anton or excuse me, Betteridge. Um, now that we bowl together since we were really young. And then I also bowl with my mom in the league. So it's also a time that I get to spend with my mom and, um, and then obviously I do tournaments. I don't, I haven't done the state tournament in a few years since COVID. Um, I work in a nursing home. So I hadn't, I kind of got away from the state tournaments um, in Maine the last couple of years, but starting to get back into going a little bit more out of state and doing, you know, uh, more things like that. So, so who, who got you started on bowling? I have to say my mom, uh, my mom's been bowling uh long for a long time as well um she used to be pretty decent she's not as good now but um she still enjoys it um and it's something that we do like i said we do together every week um so it's nice to spend time with her and keep it going Uh, my brother and my dad never really got into it so it's something that we've done together for a long time a lot for when i was out of college and things, she used to come with me almost to every tournament. Her and I would go, whatever, to the Can-Am or she came to Ladies Internationals a lot with me and um, a little bit less now that she's retired. Um, but So it was basically just something that you guys, that was like your thing, like you and your yep. mother. Yes. Yep. Now, no, at what point did, I mean, did you kind of get that, like, I'm pretty damn good at this? When we were, I mean, like I said, Brooke and I, when we were kids, um, I mean, we won a lot of tournaments together. Um, 
and individually. I mean, we won, I mean, just about everything when we were kids. So, um, and again, I'm a very competitive person. So obviously, you know, when you're succeeding that you're pretty decent. So, um, and it was hard because I was like involved with a lot of other sports too, but I did a lot of, you know, pre bowling for my Saturday morning league as a kid. Um, so I wasn't really always there unless except for tournaments and things like that, but I also enjoyed it. So it was something that I tried to fit in, in between everything else. Um, and then, like I said, after college, I got back into it and I really didn't skip a beat really. So um, I mean, I took five years off, I mean, competitive bowling, um, when I was in college, but when I came back, it was really like I had never left kind of thing. So. No, you, you mentioned Brooke. Now, if I, if I remember correctly, wasn't she featured in sports illustrated? Oh, I don't know that. Um, I, I think I, I want to say she won. Was. Yes. When she won the, um, she won all of the tournaments one year in Maine, I think. So she won the singles, she won the doubles, mixed doubles teams and mixed teams. And then I think she went on to win the state championship that year too. So I think that's the year that she was. Um, yeah. It was one of those like, that. like side pieces was like faces in the crowd or something like that. Yeah. I, yeah. I remember, I, I remember like, like seeing that. I'm like, wow. This and like usually- every like big thing that I've done, like, I haven't thrown that many triple strikes, like three or four in my whole career. She's been there for all of those. I mean, I set the main state record at Newport and she was with me when I did that. Um, Most of the big things that I've done in my career have been when she's been with me or at least, I mean, maybe not bowling together, but at least in the building. So um, So her and I just have a great relationship and I always seem to bowl better when she's with me. So, so would you say she's, I mean, I don't know what the age difference is or anything like that. Would you say she's one that kind of brought you into like the competitive, like the, like the super competitive aspect of it? I mean, we're pretty similar in age. She's a little bit older than me, but um, I think we started kids league pretty much together at the same time. And, um, you know, it's always nice to have somebody to, you know, like I said, we've been partners forever. So mm-hmm. pretty consistent. Um someone that I always feel comfortable with, uh, no matter what. So. So we talked with, um, both Janet and, uh, Nancy about bowlers that when they were coming up, they felt like they had a beat, um, that, you know, that pushed them to be even better than where they, where they were at the time. We also sat with, uh, Jenna Warden. She said that really the gap between her and a lot of the people she was bowling with was pretty wide, obviously brought up Brooke. Was there anybody else that while you were coming up, you felt like, you felt like pushed you to that next level to get to where you are today? I mean, I would say when I was, when I got out of college and started bowling in the States and things like that, like I said, I didn't do too many tournaments outside of Maine. So like Judy Bowden, um, Ricky Justice, um, those ones were the ones that, you know, we were kind of chasing, um, in Maine anyways. Um, when I went to a couple of the ladies internationals, when I first went there, you know, I can think of Janet and, um, Nancy and, uh, Kelly Stoyles was a big one from Canada. Um, so those folks definitely, 
uh, Joanne Rosano, like my first um, lover. I, the first pro series that I ladies pro series was at the big 20 and I pulled on the same lane as Joanne. Um, and I was in the second position. So I had to, um, I was basically by myself bowling by myself the last, all my boxes because, you know, she takes her time. So, um, but she was great. I, I was really nervous, obviously, because she was one of the greats and she was right there cheering me on the whole time. So, yeah. um, it was a good experience. Yeah. She's, she's very good that way. And she's obviously the first one to tell you that she's slow. <laughs> oh, yeah. she, she, she knows. And, and then she'll also be the first one to tell you, you know, like, don't, don't wait for me. Like you, you go, you, you do what you need to do. Just like, I'm just right, but it's hard when we are on the same lane, you know, oh, cause like I said, she, she was kind of like, I kind of wish that you were first and I was second because like I said, the last <laughs> five boxes, everybody else was done. So I had to ball them all by myself, but it was good. That's how you get everybody's like watching you too, yeah. because everyone else is yes. done. <laughs> yeah. What were you saying? So, yeah. So, um, so when you're bowling, um, sorry, I lost my train of thought, but I got it back. Not to get like specifics, but um, with one with one league, how far away do you live from Exeter? Uh, about an hour and fifteen minutes. Now I know again, super busy. Have you thought about joining that Exeter Pro League? I yes, I have. I well, not really until this year. I bowled in it once. I subbed um, one time this year, and I think. Um, actually both Shannon Scribner and I are planning on doing it next year. Um, it's just like, we're kind of searching for that more competitive, right. um, yeah. league. I mean, they do have the one a month in Maine, but kind of the turnoff is obviously you have to travel. They don't have it at one center like that. You know, you have to travel to Bangor and you go to Augusta and, um, you know, it's like, it turns out being a lot, but when you, you know, like I said, an hour and 15, isn't too bad. It's, Pretty much I, say, that, shot. I mean, that's the, that's the same drive for me. I mean, I live closer to Worcester. So, yeah. I mean, I, anything like under an hour and a half, I, that's, that's not too bad. I mean, poor Tim, like, what does he drive three hours? I know. Yeah. Yep. He does. It's, but like, he's, it's the same kind of thing. You know, when we, I really like bowling and scratch events, uh, uh, obviously over than over handicap events. Right. Um, and not that I don't mind handicap either, but it's obviously a little tougher. Um, and it's just the, you know, the competition is, that's what I thrive on is right. you know, competition. So um, I think we, like I said, both Shannon and I are probably going to do that um, next year. So it'll be good. Yeah, this was my first year back in the league in over 10 years. And I, I missed it. I missed that competition. I miss, you know, Last time I bowled it, it was like 24 teams, four-man teams. It got kind of watered down, but now where they shrunk it, yeah, you know, they, they, they the the competitiveness and on every team, every team is, you know, there's no no break, you know, and and I right. love that, you know, exactly, yeah, and I mean, and it was really, I mean, I've only done it once, but it was really fun too, you know. I mean, obviously, I wasn't on the team; I was just a sub, but um, yeah, and everyone there. Yeah, we had a good time, and obviously that makes it even better when you can enjoy yourself and, you know, have the competition at the same time. Yeah, it doesn't always work that way. When you, <laughs> yeah, that's true. So when you look at, and not to, but we've heard before, you know, Tim's brought it up on his podcast with the state of Maine bowling. 
you look at a lot of the stuff that's out there now, um, you can't go on Candlepin and chat without an ACST match pretty much being streamed. And I don't know if you listen to this podcast, but I had said at one point, I think it's wrong that there's more footage of me bowling than Amanda Carroll. <laughs> Do you think that Maine kind of gets left out a lot of, in a lot of those things where there isn't as much footage, there isn't as much streaming. Um, and I think we, when we had Evan Riva on, you know, everyone talks about the greatest bowler of all time and everyone always says, you know, Tommy, but nobody really mentions the guys from Maine like Charlie Milan. Like, do you think Maine sometimes gets put on the back burner? I mean, I guess so. And I mean, it's kind of our own fault too, I think in a way, because we could scream, we could stream things too. You know what I mean? We don't have a lot of like, um, the singles matches and things like that. We don't do that, but we could. I think the problem is, is that there's not very many centers anymore in Maine. I mean, there's eight or nine, but I mean, look how, what the distance is. I was about to say, how far apart are they? Quite, uh, right. The travel would be kind of, you know, a home match that I'd have to go to Bangor. I mean, it's two hours to drive for, right. I mean, I don't know how it works with, you know, the other thing, um, you know, but it seems like there's a lot more houses that are closer. So it makes it a little bit easier to, um, to do that. But I mean, like I said, we could, do a lot more streaming. I know, I mean, we don't, the only scratch league I believe we have is the once a, the once a month, but we could do, we could stream it easy enough, but we don't. Right. I do know like Bob has talked about um, wanting to get more of those matches up in Maine, up in Canada. He said, it's not, you know, some people have, I was actually watching a match yesterday um, and they had a TV monitor. They had the big microphone out. Corey Lee, he was doing play by play for a match, but way back when it was just literally a tripod with a cell phone. And that's what a lot of those matches were. And you start there and then somebody starts calling it. You can start to see some of those matches and then they're there forever. Right. And you know, you never know what's going to happen. Maybe that's when you throw that triple strike or um, a 700 series. Speaking of which, have you thrown a 700 series? I have (laughs) only one though. Let's talk about that. That's one more than uh, anybody else in this room. (laughs) You know, so I had my obligatory fourth string meltdown yesterday. Like, because I I started to say, I saw that you had 425 for three. So that was really good. Right. And so I'm like, you know what? Maybe this is the day. Maybe this is the day that I come out and throw a 49 half. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And then I finished finished with a 109. I'm like, okay. And then the third, the fifth string, I, I opened, I went spare, spare. I have three spares in a row. I'm like, okay, maybe I can throw a big one here and and, and get there. And I did not. <laughs> but we I know. Don't, it's uh, really hard. But once and, you do it, well, I mean, it's like the pressure of doing something once, you know, yeah. like the first 600. And then, yeah. like I said, the first 700. I mean, I was, that was at Newport um, Entertainment Center up in Newport. And it's all synthetic. And I mean, I just... I mean, I hit the, I'm, I tend to hit the head pin a lot. And I mean, I just, I've never bowled like that. I mean, I set every record, every house record in that place that day. Um, and three main state records, three and five that day. I set two main state records and um, I was close to setting um, the 10 string one too. I did that a few years later at the same place. No, no. Do you do you? But it rewards you for hitting the head pin. Where I usually roll <laughs> the big twenty, I don't get rewarded very often for hitting the hitting the head pin. So, now when it when it comes to like wood versus synthetic, do you throw a different ball on either? No, nope, I don't. I just tend to throw the same. 
obviously the goal heading to hit the headpin. And like I said, I mean, sometimes you get rewarded. Sometimes you don't. Yeah, for some t- I don't know what it is. Like sometimes the way I throw my ball, like I have to adjust a little bit on synthetic because my ball doesn't grip as much as it does like on wood. It drives me insane. But I mean, oh, I thought you I, meant like you threw the same physical ball because I was going to no, no, ask. I just meant like, do you? No, just like I just meant like, do you have to change up, like make an adjustment on synthetic lanes as opposed to wood? Not typically. I mean, sometimes it'll slide a little bit, obviously, then you need to move over a little bit or whatnot, but um, I tend to kind of stay consistent wherever or whatever I'm, whatever lanes I'm going on. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm learning. I, I used to do the same thing where I'm moving left, right, left, right, left, right. And then Det Klein actually came up to me a couple of weeks ago and he goes, you know, you're, you're, he's like, I'm driving through the middle and he goes, move, you know, move up a little bit, move up back a little bit. He goes, he goes, I don't like moving like left or right he goes he goes just move you know back and forth yeah if i'm full or you know light i tend to move forward but like i said versus synthetic versus wood sometimes like my ball goes to the left and it'll go a little bit more to the left on mm-hmm. synthetic so i'll move over i mean just but i'll start there every time you know once i can kind of find that one spot where i can but if i'm full or light i tend to move up and back um rather than side to side. Right. So Bob, I knew it said this at the beginning um, that you did pitch um, in softball. Do you feel like in any way, strength and conditioning wise, speed wise, that could have helped you in uh, your bowling career? Um, it's like you said, I mean, he asked if it's a similar motion. It's really not a similar motion because in pitching, like opening your body completely up to well, I'm a right-handed pitcher, so like completely up to third base. And then obviously you're closing your body. You don't, I don't tend to open my body too much. Obviously when I'm bowling, I mean, I stay pretty square. Just like the second half of the motion, like from my, your backswing down, your arm is in the same position. Mm-hmm. But for me, like I don't, and then with pitching, like you're snapping your wrist and then bending at the elbow. Like that's how I, that's what you do. And so it's, Similar, but not similar. Um, but obviously you have the same, you know, you're stepping out on your left leg and driving forward. Um, so I do think it's, it helped me because obviously I, I pitched a lot. And um, so my left leg is pretty strong compared to my right. So I have a lot of, well, I used to have a lot of physical endurance with that, with that leg, just because, but like even now, like I I can I pitched to my team a couple of weeks last week I think, I mean and I you know typically after not throwing for you know six months because I do do a lot of pitching for them in the springtime outside but like you know I'm not sore so I mean I think it's the same muscles I mean at least my legs aren't sore my arm was a little sore um, because it's a little bit of a different motion but well, strength and conditioning uh, wise it helps but probably not so much on form. Right. Yep. And I mean, I don't do it as much anymore, but like I said, I mean, I've been bowling a lot more and like my legs weren't sore. It was my arm that was sore because it's different mechanics this past week when I threw, but my legs felt pretty good. But it was still hand-eye coordination too, which I mean, I think that's, you know, a major part. Yeah, but it's like aiming, you know, as far as like the mental part, like I was not overpowering as a pitcher. So I was able to do a lot of placement with my pitches. I could throw the ball wherever I wanted to. 
And it's kind of the same in bowling. Obviously, you need to throw the ball where you want it to go in order to get a spare or hit the head pin or whatnot. So um, the mental piece is definitely um, quite similar. Um, but Mr. Mr. Daly wanted to know, like, if you haven't, if is there anything you haven't won that you want to do before you before you hang it up or not saying that that's anytime soon, but like, is there anything else like that you'd like to win? Well, I mean, I haven't won the um, the mixed international tournament. Um, I was on. I'm sure Calvin and Dave Godwin and all of them will like to know that, you know, in that match that I won the 97 and we lost by seven. Um, so, I mean, that was a great experience and I hope to get back there. I'm bowling with Josh this year um, and Craig and um, Bob would come in, in that group this year. So hopefully we got a good shot to um, compete and hopefully win that tournament. Sounds like um, a really good team on paper. <laughs> And we, Josh and I bowled in the mixed tournament up in Augusta this past year. Um, he'd like to say that he carried me, but I'm pretty sure I carried him. Um, <laughs> we made it to the semifinals and we lost to Mike McGinty and Shannon who beat us three times that, that tournament. So that's another one. I mean, I bowled in that multiple times with a few different people and that's another tournament that I'd like to win. Um, I did win the Can-Am. I'd love to win that one again. That's one. That's my favorite tournament of all time. I won with Charlie Milan. Um, wow. That was probably one of my best best wins um, in my career. And, you know, I bowled well in the, you know, the round robin piece, and he was the one that really um, bowled well and carried us to the win, I mean, at, you know, in the playoffs at 78 years old. So it was quite amazing to – be a part of that. That's that, that, that's crazy. But I mean, you bowled with Craig in the, the pro series doubles last month, I believe. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah believe, that I, was a good experience. I was, he asked me to bowl. I was a little shocked, but we bowled. I mean, we bowled pretty well. We almost made it through the first round of the eliminations. We missed it by a few pins, but it was just a great experience to bowl with him. And I'm really looking forward to bowling with him again in July. Him, um, him and Bobby Wood are two, two, two of the two of the best to bowl with. Yeah. Yep. You know. Yes. Uh, I mean, I I bowled against. I I mean, I don't get to see them very often because right. I don't uh, until recently when I've been bowling a little bit more, and you know, watching them and you know things are streamed a lot more and just they're just amazing to watch. Um, and, and just so. nice guys, just just overall like great guys. Yep. I think too, like Jeremy had said it in a couple podcasts ago, and I think I own my nickel every time I say this, but the uh, the fact that we're now in the streaming era. And I do think that that's something that more main bowlers and more Canadians need to adopt as well, because like I said, it's, it, it's only a moment in time um, and you can get as much of that footage as possible. And like you said, maybe it brings more exposure to people. I mean, we're seeing it here with uh, even we have a semi-pro division of a lot of people that really weren't known outside their own house. And now they're getting picked up on teams. Um, Jeremy actually messaged me about a guy um, also uh, used to pitch Chris McDonough, who I don't think anybody knew him. If you don't play baseball outside of Timber Lanes, what did you say, Jeremy? He qualified third. He threw 650. Yeah, he qualified with 655 yesterday. And he made it to the final, though, didn't he? 
See, I don't know who won. Like he was I didn't in the see... final with Joey Lister, I think, because I watched oh, a little he? bit of that. Joey, he was with Joey Lister in the final last night. I know, oh. and like exactly what you just said. I'm like, who the heck is this guy? I have no idea yeah. who he is. But he's been. I mean, he been crushing it in, in a semi pro league, which he should be. I mean, if you've seen him bowl, you know he shouldn't be in the semi pro division. But you know that could bring more of those people that you know don't feel like they're at that next level they start bowling head to head against people the juices start flowing the lights and everything else not lights but you know what i mean just a feeling of being watched and then you start to see you know some of the better bowlers rise up again and i think we need that for the sport you know yeah definitely i mean that was a when i went to the exeter pro league and that was the first time i had been on streaming yeah that was just two months ago and then obviously candle pins for cancer i was on on you know two or three weeks in a row or whatever it was i mean with the pro league and i think there was a couple weeks in between and then the pro series Mm -hmm. but i mean i'm glad that i had that happen before i'm gonna bowl jeff surratt on tv so (laughs) you know but it was nerve-wracking the first time like you know because you can hear the announcer behind you and um I'll try to be quiet. Yeah, it's... <laughs> no, I mean, are you doing that? Are you doing it? Uh, Rick, Myrick and I are doing it. Nice. Um, no, I'm not. I mean, but that's, I mean, I'm, and I'm used to that kind of stuff, yeah. but you know what I mean? It's um, yeah, I'm a little nervous, but we'll see. Then they talk about how, you know, hot it is with the lights and things like that. It, like, especially, especially where they're, I mean, they're using, the, the old channel 50 lights which they do get hot and for, of course you have the I mean, first I already match sweat, i sweat a lot i sweat a lot as it is so i'm, <laughs> I'm gonna be like dying probably but and, and if it's anything like the last taping um you're the first match so the heat wasn't exactly on like in the morning so like we were freezing our ass off and then i just wanted to stand out of the lights just so i could warm up i'm like oh well maybe that's nice and help. toasty but yeah, I don't even. I wonder what lanes are bowling on at Lita. I, I mean, and I'm happy because I bowled. I bowled pretty well in the pro series over there, so it makes me feel a little bit better. It's a 33 and 34. Okay, as long as it's not 36, that's good. <laughs> well, that's where I had my fourth string meltdown yesterday. Oh, and I had well, even Craig when I bowled with Craig, that was our second string on that lane. I think I had 108, and you said you had 109. Is that what yep. you had? Yeah, I mean, he's like, you know, honestly, that your best string was game two, and that was your worst score, right? Because I, I mean, I threw a great ball, but I just had, you know, the five seven, the five ten, and all that kind of jazz. But yeah, but no, they they have the lights are are fixed up in the ceiling over uh, over those two lanes. So, but uh, I mean, you should have seen it's. You talked about the streaming era, uh, Dan. Like what Bob Lee's production has turned into and like the amount of like setup he has i mean he had like three monitors like going yesterday and paul grant's doing commentary across like four or five lanes and i'm just like this is insanity like this is crazy that i mean it's great he's putting all this like effort into he had like all the the uh visuals up on the screen Um, like what like you said it's come a long way from just us putting our phones up yeah Mm -hmm. And like I said, I think it makes more people want to bowl in those situations. And I think this game needs more, more bowlers taking the game competitively. It's fun. It's great to have, you know, a league that takes up the whole house where, you know, half the league is, you know, a 72 average because that's what keeps the bowling alleys afloat. But I think we also are missing that channel five, you know, that, that pinnacle show um, that we have. And, and I know, 
trying to get that back. But again, you look at Candlepins for Cancer, how many people that have bowled in a Nico or an ACST or some of these head-to-head matches are now putting themselves in these positions because they've had a couple of good weeks where they go, I'm going to try out for New England Candlepins, Candlepins for Cancer and push themselves. And then that brings more money to the prize fund, which I think is how you're going to ultimately get back to maybe getting a sponsor or two. And that, and that helps like watching the matches, like, uh, you know, it's kind of got my competitive juices flowing again. Like I've been going to more things, even though the travel is more, but I mean, yeah. it, it makes even some of us that might not do that very often want to do it as well. Yeah. And I feel like there's a lot, there's a, a lot more money going around too. Yeah, like like the prize one prize money is starting to get you know get a little bit better. Um, I mean, especially with the work that that you, Dan, you and Kate have done with Outrun the Bear. Dang, um, <laughs> um, I mean, you're you're giving out two thousand dollars to a winner. Yeah. You know, uh, Canopins for Cancer. If you know to win the ladder is two thousand dollars. You know, thousand dollars for the runner up. I'm like that. You know, that's something that we haven't seen in you know five, six years ago. Right. I know that's like the state tournaments are, especially in Maine, are tough because, you know, we'll travel two hours to Bangor and win the tournament. And I get like $118. And when you have your entry fee and the amount of money that you paid in gas, especially now, it's like you don't even break even. You're almost paying to bowl on it when you, and then you get a plaque. Well, didn't, didn't, didn't. So it's, it's hard to, to do that. Like we, I talked and like this year they upped the, I had to miss singles because my daughter's soccer and which is fine. And then Brooke and I were going to bowl in the doubles, but something came up and then they required 50 strings this year when usually it's 40. And I was already, I, I couldn't, with the rest of the tournaments remaining, I couldn't get the, get that amount of strings in. So I, I didn't bowl. But didn't Matero say, like when he won the state singles, like he actually lost money. Yeah, he lost money. I, that was I remember oh, that. That's what I mean. When you talk about it, it's it's just hard to, like I said, do the travel and you know, and not really gain anything from it. I mean, obviously, you want to say championship. That's great, but right at the same time, you know, you're taking time away from family and all of that kind of yep. stuff too to. Um, you know, obviously, like I said, you get the title, but at the same time, you want to be rewarded for what you did as well. Right. Absolutely. And and I do think we're starting to see more and more of that. I, I think it's starting to pull more away from like the state tournaments. It's starting to become more, um, the house run tournaments are where the money seems to be lately. I mean, you look at Exeter, that's a, that's a house run league with between Amy Doobie and Rob Ficarra. And I know there's other people yep. who help out, but those aren't, you know, New Hampshire sanctioned leagues, you know, out on the bear. Right. And then the, the once a month too, the once a month, I mean, the prize money is decent for that too. And it's, yeah. you know, um, it's uh, really the, the bowlers. Smith that are runs that and, yeah. So, and I know we talked about that. Um, we had Dave Chester Cove on about, bringing something back that where the ICBA is very proprietor driven, which we need that too. Cause without the alleys, we don't have a place to compete. We do need something. I think that's more centered around the bowlers. Um, but you look at, um, uh, I know this is going to be more centered around mass, but even what Matt Nichols is trying to do now, he's creating an amateur tour 
to try to bring that next group up. And he even said that he sees this as a feeder league into the pro series. Paul, oh, that's like when um, Paul Grant wants to run that doubles or is running yeah. that doubles tournament um, in September for us, for the women. And at first he was talking about scratch. And I'm like, you're not going to get no. bowl, you're not going to get bowlers if we bowl scratch. Right. I mean, you, you know, I, you know, I signed up with Maddie Kelly uh, or Mario or, you know, nobody's going to want to bowl. I mean, who wants to put $75 up when that happens? So right. we talked about doing a cap so that we can, you know, make it a little bit more even. So, I mean, it's still scratch, but at least we're going to pull more people. You know, you're right. going to get 20 or 30 teams and it's still going to be competitive but you're not going to have overload, you know, and, and have it be, you know, a blowout or whatever, you know, right. Cause we want, that's the problem. I mean, we don't have a lot of women anymore. So even when, you know, the prize money can't be a lot because when you only have seven bowlers bowling right. or, you know, less than 20, it's really not, it's just not, worth it you know you don't you don't even have enough because you're paying for bowling and it's just not enough when you can you know the men have a hundred i mean at least they can they'll get their money's worth at least a little bit more than um than we can there's just not a lot of us right we talked about that i think it was with amy about you know the wcbc had 100 women and 300 men jeremy does that sound right about that so if you go, if you just cut them both to 30% of that, the men still have 90, that drops the women to 30. And then as you said, how many women go, okay, that's not even worth it to bowl, then you drop it even further. And it be, at that point, it just becomes a numbers game. And that's- right, I, mean, I mean, the last ladies internationals we had, I believe there was only nine teams, might've been eight. Um, you know, we used to carry seven, now we carry six. And, you know, <laughs> you have eight teams of six i mean it's only 48 people yeah you know what i mean maybe a couple more some some of the teams have seven bowlers i mean it's really not not that many yeah it is it is tough and and matt nichols had asked a question um about getting more girls to bowl. And I know like that's one of Paul Grant's big things is getting women back into the game. Um, do you have any advice for like younger girls that are looking to take this game to the next level or just getting into the sport overall? I mean, I would say that, um, obviously if it's something that you love, um, that you have to put time in, you know, you can't just, and it doesn't necessarily just have to be bowling, but you still, you just have to be active. You need to, um, put time in mentally and physically in order to be good at a sport. Um, it just doesn't, you, you can't just show up and expect to, you know, be great. Um, and it's, I mean, I talk about it a lot with my, um, softball team and things like that. Like you have to be mentally, you have to have a short memory. Bowling is a very frustrating game. You know, Mm -hmm. like yesterday I bowled 316 and 308 for my two series, you know, preparing for one of the biggest matches of my life. And you kind of just have to 
forget about it. You know, I was get trying to, you know, learn the flow of what's going to happen. And, but you can't, it's the same thing like with softball, you can't allow a strikeout or, you know, a, you know, you walk three batters in a row or whatnot. You can't, you got to have a short memory and move on. Cause this is a frustrating game. Like you, yeah. you're not going to perform well every time. And I think, Obviously, girls are, I think, a little bit more emotional creatures than boys. So, you know, they tend to give up a little bit easier and it takes hard work. Um, you know, I played three sports in college. I played athletics my whole life. Um, you know, there's been a lot of ups and downs. It's not always good. Um, I, don't want, I don't win everything that I, but you have to use it as a, when you lose, you have to use it as a learning experience. And I think in this day and age, things are just handed to people a lot, you know, everybody gets a trophy. Well, if you want to be, that's fine. Like in, you know, town athletics and things like that. But if you want to be successful at something, you have to work at it. Um, It doesn't just, you know, it's not just going to be handed to you. You have to work. Um, And I I think think that's, I think that was one of the people who had said that he thinks the reason for the decline in the game is how many people want that instant gratification of just being good, overnight and he said this is a very hard game to to master and people just Mm -hmm. think that you know it's going to come easily to them and it's not always going to be the case very rarely it's the case (laughs) right it is i mean and like i said i mean i for me like you talk about me being busy and things like that it's true like and i find that sometimes when i am bowling in some of these bigger events it's because i don't do it enough i don't have I'm not going to say I don't have the mental toughness for it, but, or like if I have to bowl 10 strings in a day when I haven't done it in a long time, I, physically, I feel it. Yeah. And then, then it starts to creep in mentally. Oh, my legs getting tired. I can feel, you know, I can feel myself getting tired. You've got to have that mental um, toughness to kind of overcome that and just keep trying to throw the same ball. Um, and it's tough. Um, you know, I'm lucky to have a lot of experiences in my athletic career to be able to do that. Um, and I wish that I do have, I did have more time to practice and things like that, but I don't. Um, and, you know, my kids are at the age where they're do, doing athletics themselves and I still have a five-year-old that I'm chasing around. So, um, you know, do any, do I, I do the best that I can. That's, say that again. Do any of your kids bowl? They do not. They do not. I tried to get them to bowl. I'm not one to, they just don't really, they never really got into it. They didn't enjoy it very much. So, and I'm not one to force force them to do do something just because I love it. Doesn't mean that they need to, um, the same thing. My, both my daughters decided this year not to play basketball because they don't enjoy it anymore. And that was my, that basketball is my favorite sport. So, and that was tough for me to handle, but I'm not, I mean, it is their choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it's, it's like, with I, you know, my, my daughter just started bowling in the kids league this year and she likes to do it. And like, part of me wants to be like upper butt, like, like trying to help her do this, this, and this, this and that, but it, it's, it's, I'm refraining because I want her to just keep enjoying it. Like, right. I don't want, 
to keep like throwing things at her. It's like, it's like, oh, like if you just do this, if you just, you know, I, I don't want it to be brain overload. I just want her to enjoy doing it. And then, you know, once the league is over, maybe, you know, we'll go, we'll go down to the bowling alley a few times. So like maybe we can work on this or, you know, do a di- different things like that. But, you know, it has to be fun for them. You know, um, I think that's a really big piece. They have to enjoy it. If they feel like it's a chore, then they're not going to want it. Right. And it's, I mean, like I said, it was tough. Like, I mean, this is something that I love, but I can't force it upon anyone else. You know what I mean? And, you know, it stinks. Cause obviously that would be three, three more girls that would be involved in the sport, but it may come back to it. But, know. You know, we lit, right. They may pick up on it when they're older and that that's fine. Um, but you know, and they enjoy watching me. They enjoy coming to watch me and cheering me on. And but they just never really, um, you know, grasped onto it. And well, then, I, and that's like I said, it's hard because you want to force them to do it, but right. at the same time. And, and that that's one of the things that I want to like show her, like, you know, I want to show her like videos of Maddie bowling or of like, or you bowling, just, you know, some really good top women bowlers to show like, Hey, like, you know, you can do this too. You know, if she really likes it, which I'm hoping she does. Yeah. <laughs> um, it is a different mindset too, for the game. Cause I've talked to some people that remember when they were in a kid's league, um, and I've had people before saying, you know, you shouldn't have kids bowl with bumpers. You should be showing them this. They should, you know, they look at some of the scores going, those are baby scores was one thing I heard recently, uh, for one of our kids league records. And I said, it's, you can't, you can't approach it the same way that it was approached when maybe we were all kids, right? We don't have the numbers. And I think in a lot of ways, if you push that, you're going to lose them. And, and right now we can't afford to lose anybody. We need to keep the, we need to get the game fun, have them kind of get the bug to, to bowl. And then if they want to take those next steps, we'll do that. But I don't think we right, can I force think, it. I mean, at that age, I think success is important. Obviously, if you're, if you throw every bottle down the gutter, are you going to want to go back the next day? Right. Next time? Probably right. not. Um, so, you know, I think you just, it's based on the child too. Um, yeah. You know, if somebody's excelling a little bit more, then maybe you move them up. But if they're still struggling, you know, you want them. I mean, obviously failure is good too, but there's a, there's a point to it. Right. I mean, so- we learn, we learn from failure, but if you're throwing the ball down the gutter every time, that's, that's, that's bad failure. Right. Well, you know, even for us, people ask, at what age do you move them from the bumpers to no bumpers? And we don't use it by age. We just go by one of the things Kate. So Kate works with the younger kids. I work with the older kids is um, she'll if she notices they're hitting one bumper more than the other, she'll take one bumper down. So that way it forces them to go the other way with the ball. Things like that. We've stood on the lane and had them try to bullet down the middle between the legs. We put shoes on the lane, little, little things like that. And then once we start to see that they can throw the ball without hitting the bumpers, they end up moving up. We don't go by age. We go by when they're ready. Yeah. So. I, exactly. Cause I think that's a big piece to, you know, the same thing with coaching anything like yeah. you've got to, the fundamentals need to be there before you put them in a the game, you know, right. and like I said, success is important at a young age, but also, I mean, obviously we learn from failure, but there's a, there's a happy medium there. Um, right. Absolutely. You know, when I just did that, the rock and bowl thing this past or two weeks ago or whatever it was. And, you know, 
just little, you know, there was one little girl that, you know, her feet were totally facing to the sidewall rather than to the pins. And, you know, she came to bowl against me and she threw all three balls in the gutter. And I was like, okay, I want you to point your toes to the pins and try again. And she threw it right down the middle. And it was like, you know, she was so happy. So, you know what I mean? So just little things like that, um, you know, can make their day. And then, you know, I watched her a little bit afterwards and she would go up and make sure her toes were pointing where they were supposed to. And then she was a lot more successful. Um, and that feels and giving great. them praise when they do it well, even though they might throw it down the gutter 90% of the time, you know, when they do, they need praise. They, when they do it right, um, yeah. rather than the negativity. I mean, negativity is just, it'll kill, it'll kill it. It'll yeah. Kill even, it even last week we were working with a kid that, uh, he was on bumpers and, and he, it wasn't their first ball and they threw it right down the middle, but there was no pins there at that point. And he was like, but I didn't hit anything. I said, well, you kept it on the lane. That's what we're working on. Keeping it like little baby steps and we'll work on, you know, the pinning after that and things like that. So right. and if the ball, if all the pins were there, that would have been a really nice ball. Exactly. And that, and that's what, you know, a lot of it now is we're learning form, you know, things like that versus necessarily, you know, don't get so hung up on the score at this point, work on the fundamentals of the game. Everything else. And sometimes just not even keeping score, not even keeping score and just having them throw is, you yeah. know. Yeah. We've even taken kids aside and just had them play catch, just underhand catch, just to get them used to that step and throw, step and throw, things like that. There's so many little things that you can do. Uh, and I'm sure you see this with softball as well. That may not look like the sport itself, but those fundamentals, it's like karate kid, wax on, wax off. And you realize how it all mm-hmm. goes together yep. at the end. So as far as trying to yeah, I mean, we practice with softball, even with the 12s and 14s, I mean, they're old. They know a lot of the little stuff, but we still do it. Yeah. We do it all the time. We, we don't just go to practice and play softball. We work on the fundamentals still so that that lasts in, they don't, they don't forget it because you can forget it pretty easily. You know, if you're just playing games all the time, then, you know, you can't, you don't get better. Yeah. It, it's funny for me too, because I'm only like a 105 bowler. And sometimes I'll be giving kids instruction. And as I'm saying it, because I took the Dan Murphy guide, you know, the instructor class. So I, I know it. It's just a matter of doing it. And sometimes I'll be telling the kids something. And then as I'm saying it, I was like, huh, maybe that is my problem. <laughs> maybe I am I'm dipping my shoulder or not squaring up and things like that. Sometimes just saying it to somebody else, you're like, oh, me too. <laughs> You see it in yourself. Right. Yep, definitely. I mean, wow. and you know, I, like I said, you, I talk a lot about the mindset too with my kids. And like yesterday I was getting in my own head quite a bit. And it's like, you just have to take a step back and realize that, I mean, sometimes we just have a bad day. And I, I mean, I didn't throw a bad ball. My scores didn't right. reflect the ball that I threw. Sometimes we just have to remind ourselves, you know, that, you know, you're not going to, bowl 700 every time right or one, <laughs> one, day. one day or one time yeah. um, <laughs> as far as like the the streaming goes like you're going to be on the show and we were talking about um, i was actually talking to dan gothier about this at one point because i remember doing one of my matches uh, on the acst and i wasn't bowling well and i was getting very angry and probably said some things i shouldn't have said and then I looked at the little comments and one of the moms, the kids league was like, Hey, we're watching. And it was like one of those things where you realize like you're representing. Your, yeah. And I mean, it was nothing over the top, but it was just, 
I found that especially streaming or even in the league, because you don't know who's going to walk through the door, you have to hold your composure better, especially when you're the ones teaching that next generation up because mm-hmm. you don't want to teach them those bad habits of those meltdowns on the lanes. Do you think about that at all when you bowl? I use myself as an example a lot with my um, softball team because when I came back from college and I mean, I hadn't bowled in five years. So, you know, you expect to just come back and, you know, be able to bowl 600 every time. Although I didn't, I don't, but I had a, I had a pretty terrible attitude. We talked about that on the podcast with Tim and those guys, like I would kick things and swear and, you know, looking back at it, it's pretty embarrassing to be honest. Um, you know, you have terrible body language and you just look like an idiot. Um, and it doesn't help you bowl better. Right. Um, so I use myself as an example a lot with my kids. Like when you strike out, like you should be trying to get your teammate to pump your teammate up for the next at bat so that they can do what you wanted to do rather than moping back to the dugout and throwing your bat and helmet. Like I don't put up with that as a coach. So why should I put up with it? put up for myself when I'm on the lane. Um, I don't do that. I once in a while I'll, I get a little heated, but I try to, you know, take a step back and realize that you have to move on. You have to have a short memory because it's not going to help you moving forward. And that goes for everything. It's not just sports. It's in life as well. So um, I'd I'd like to to think I'm, I've had a pretty calm demeanor, you know, when I'm bowling, even when I'm like bowling bad, but I mean, the, the lady that owned fairway, the, the bowling alley I grew up at, it was one day I was probably 10, 11 years old. I turned around, I gave the ball return a kick. She grabbed me, and I mind you, she's like in her seventies, grabbed me by the shirt, threw me off the lane and told me I couldn't finish the day. I was like, well, okay. Shit. <laughs> I'm like, all right, all right. Yeah, and my, gra- my, gra- my grandfather came in and he goes, why aren't you bowling? I said, uh, she's not letting me bowl. She goes, what happened? And she told him what happened. He goes, oh, okay. He goes, you won't do that again, will you? Different like, generation though. You do that now. And the parents are telling you, well, I paid for them to bowl and <laughs> I want yeah. my money back. No, oh, oh, I deserved it. I deserved no, it. I know. I know you did. But, but it's saying, you know, like you, like, like Amanda just said, like I have, I'll have my moments where I'll get like really, really frustrated and, you know, it's really hard to not like I let out a, a couple F bombs on a couple Wednesdays ago, just but which I mean, usually isn't me. But. I realize now that I'm older that it really never helped me. And if I, you know, when when I was bowling a team event that it didn't help my team. Yeah, right. You know, I put so much pressure on myself and if we lost the match. It was I, I wasn't mad at them. I was mad at myself for not pulling right. it out or whatever. Sometimes even when we were down by 50, I mean, how how is that just on me? And, but then it would carry over until for the rest of the day Mm -hmm. and we weren't successful. And I mean, it took me until probably when I was in my early thirties to start to recognize that I wasn't helping myself and I wasn't helping my teammates either. And they felt like I was mad at them. And I'm like, I'm not mad at you, but when your body language shows that, you know, my body language showed that I was mad at them. So I, I bowled, uh, help them bowl either. Most of the teams I bowled on, I would say, are fun teams. Even Exeter, mm-hmm. the team I was on, I I couldn't believe that I had um, Brian Mayer, Josh Rio, um, and I had uh, Mario on my team as well. 
And you want to talk about a team that's constantly screaming and, and cheering you on, whether you throw a strike or, you know, a, a one box there, they were always, right. you know, um, trying to make sure that you were, you were uh, pumped up and ready to go. But even like on, you know, the Wednesday night league that Jeremy was alluding to, I have a guy on my team. If he throws a one thirty or an 86, he always goes to the fist bumps goes, all right, pick me up. No matter what he throws, it's always pick me up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I bowled with guys like uh, Mike Nardona, Rob Linehan, that it's their fun teams to bowl on. And when you're, when you're always in a, not that it's not competitive, they're competitive, but you feel like they're always there for you and they have your back mm-hmm. and it makes you feel like you want to go to war for those guys. And, you know, you're going to try to get every pin for them. Right. And sometimes like you look at teams on paper that might not be, you know, quote unquote, the best, but right. if you have good chemistry, a lot of those teams are more successful with the teams with the names on them because right. mm-hmm. the chemistry is important. And if you have one person, and that used to be me, a lot of times was the person that would bring the team down because your attitude stinks. Like I said, I wish I had learned some of the things I know back then, because I think some of the things would have been, you know, tournaments and things like that would have been a different result. Yeah. Um, But obviously you learn from your mistakes and you move forward. So. Now, is there anything, I don't know who posted this because it's on the Atlantic Candleton Singles Tour, so I think all 64 bowlers asked you this question. What is one <laughs> thing, nobody knows how to flip it off, apparently. It's a little icon on your phone. Usually it's in the top right, everybody. What is one thing that you're trying to improve in your game? I mean, I would say that for me, it's just, um, you know, staying in the moment. Um, I have a tendency to forward think you know when you have an 80 half uh, I should have a 160 that type of thing <laughs> the um, exact same thing you know focusing on hitting my object pin so I mean I hit the head pin a lot and that's something that I take pride in and then obviously trying to hit my object pin after that but like I said staying for me staying in the moment is important because I have a tendency to either think about what I just did or think about what I could do rather than what I should be doing in that, in the box that I'm on. Um, it's very easy to do. And obviously you can play mind games with yourself, but um, that's something that I, I know I need to work on and I try to as much as I can, as much as I can. Um, no, I, no, no, I was told this was the most important question that I will ever ask you. Oh, who is your who is your favorite main bowler and why is it Tim Matero? Jeez, oh, Tim Matero. <laughs> oh boy, I loved him. Um, we bowled together quite a bit. Um, him and I chat a lot. We are a good support system for each other when we're struggling. Um, I usually can pick him up and he can pick me up. Um, so. But I have to say that probably Charlie Milan is my favorite main bowler, Tim, though. Uh-oh. He doesn't bowl anymore, but <laughs> he'll be mad at me. But he knows that. I feel like Charlie's a lot of a lot of main bowler's favorite favorite guy. Uh, he, I mean, I didn't even really, he'll probably kill me for saying this, but know who, I, know who he was um, when he called me at the Big 20 the guy was like, Charlie Milan's on the phone for you. And I'm like, who? <laughs> and 
I had met him a couple times at Bangor Brewer because he, you know, he owns it. But um, and he's like, I, I'm gonna bowl in the Can-Am again because his wife had gotten sick and he had taken a couple years off. And he's like, and I can't bowl in it unless you bowl with me. And I'm like, okay, um, okay. So you know, he literally called me at the bowling alley of my league and asked me to bowl and. Um, you know, that was three or four of the best, you know, years of bowling for me. And the Can-Am was with him. Um, I was sad to see him go after we, um, we won. He doesn't, he goes to Florida in the wintertime. So we didn't bowl in the league, so he couldn't bowl anymore in the tournament. So he taught me a lot. That's for sure. I know we talked about your 703. What is, uh, just so we have it on record too, what's your high single, triple, you know, your five and then your 10? My single is a 182. I know that's not very impressive, but I don't throw a lot of strikes. So um, uh, my triple is a 454. I did that the same day as I threw my 703. And then my high 10 is um, 1342. Good scores. I did that at Newport again, but that was probably, I don't know, three or four years later after that, I um, threw my 700. So those are all Newport scores? Yes. I've bowled a few 1300s. Um, Vacation Land, I threw one. I actually threw, I think I've thrown three at Newport. Um, And I have... You know, I have the house record at the Big 20. I think it's 683 for five. And then I have the one at Sanford, 682, I think. Um, so you have your name on a few walls. Yeah, I do. <laughs> so actually, I threw my high my high 10 at Sanford. Uh, it was like a yeah. 13, 13, 20 something. It was the yeah. old WCBC. And I think I finished like 15th. <laughs> Or something like that. It was wow. it was crazy. The, the, there was like That's seven. Yeah, they, they go well there. I really I bowl well there. They reward you for hitting the head pin. You know, you don't get a lot of even when you're full, you get a little bit of an extra. Yeah. Over there, you know, you don't see a lot of spread eagles there. You don't see a lot of, you know, three and twos at Sanford. Um, you tend to I well at least I tend to get a, a few extra pins when I hit the head pin there, even if I, you know, you feel like your ball's a little off. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember there were about seven 1400s that day. <laughs> it, it was, it was crazy. It was absolutely crazy. So wrapping up, cause obviously, and we're going to air this before um, the match, but big oh, match right. coming up. <laughs> What's Well, it'd be weird. Well, the other thing too, is Jeremy won't even tell me who won. If you win this whole thing, you're going to have to tell me cause he won't tell me it's rude. And I thought we were friends. Um, what is, uh, I'm not supposed to tell either. I don't think. No, you're not. But I felt like, you know, I've known Jeremy long enough and he won't tell me. <laughs> it's very rude. Um, when you're, uh, preparing for this, I know we talked to Janet about her big, um, matchup on channel five when she bowled Bruno. Do you think about that at all of, of the nerves? Um, do you put more pressure on yourself? You think as a female making the show, or do you know that, you can hang with any of these guys. And at the end of the day, you know how to bowl just as well as any of these guys. I mean, I know, I mean, obviously I know I can hang with the guys. Um, I've done it before. Um, 
I am nervous though. I mean, I wish I've told Jeff this him uh, that I wish that I wasn't bowling him first. Um, it'll be a good challenge. Like I said, I hope that I can just make it a match. Like it'll be a good match. Um, that my nerves don't get into the way of the way that I know how I can bowl. Like I said, I mean, he's been on TV many, many times and this will be my first time. So, I mean, obviously I'm at a little bit of a disadvantage, but, um, you know, mentally I'm just been preparing myself to, like I said, I went and practice because I've never bowled in that format before. So hopefully that'll help. Um, I do do like a lot of visualization. So I will, now that I, in now that I know what lanes I'm bowling on, I can think about that even more, like just throwing my game. I mean, and I know that I can do it. Um, I just hope that I can perform and if I can, then I think it'll be a really good match between the two of us. Um, and I don't think, you know, being a female is any, you know, it is what it is. I've bowled against men many times and just like they bowled against women. So I don't really think that it, that that piece matters. I think there's um, a lot more crossover now than there was when Janet was doing it. Yes, I'm sure. Yep. Yeah. But I, I feel like also, I mean, I know like, you know, as good as Jeff is, I also feel like he's going to be one that'll try to make you as comfortable as possible. Like he's just one of those kind of guys. Oh yeah. I mean, we've, like I said, we've chatted and, you know, he's not looking at it that he's bowling against a woman. He told me, you know, you're, I'm bowling against somebody that, an elite level bowler. Um, you know, yeah. that is a good bowler and that obviously I qualified to, get into it just like he did. And really there was only a two pin difference between us in five games. So hopefully, like I said, I can, um, I can compete. And like I said, we just hope that it's a good match um, that we both bowl well and, you know, win or lose. I just think it, if we have a good competitive match that, you know, a lot of people will watch it and, you know, it'll be good for the game. I think Jeremy has said before, because Jeremy had a few, what, Channel 50 appearances, I believe, right? Uh, three. Three. Uh, and I don't want to speak for you, but I believe you've said once you get the first mark out of the way, you start to settle in. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Those first two boxes, um, your heart's going to beat out of your chest. Like, because it's just, that's just, it's just how it is. Like, some guys don't get that. Like, even now for New England Candlepins, um, you know, it's not a big, like, TV stage or anything like that. But I still get nervous, even though there's only, like, 10. I mean, to me, nerves are important, you know, and I say that to my athletes all the time. And I always used to get nervous as well. You know, it means that you care. You know, you're you're in it and you want to perform well, nerves are a normal piece to that. And, you know, like I said, I know I'm going to be nervous. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like if I, and I was nervous just there a few weeks ago, bowling with Craig um, and I performed pretty well. I mean, obviously I know it's not the same, you know, right. Setting, but um, like I said, I just hope I can bowl the way that I know I can bowl. And um, hopefully my nerves don't get the best of me, but. Yeah, what, what's you usually get, don't. You know, what, I've been you in a get, lot of big games, yeah. you know, my whole career, whether it be softball, basketball. I mean, played in the NCAA tournament. I went to the World Series when I was a kid. So I have a lot of experience, you know, mm-hmm. in pressure situations. So hopefully. Yeah. Um, it's been a while, though. It's been a while. So hopefully. <laughs> With that resume, uh, Jeff, you got to be worried. <laughs> <laughs> 
But yeah, I mean, once you get into the match, into the thick of the match, I, I like the ner- I feel like the nerves go away, and you're more focused on what you need to do. Yep, and I, I mean, like I said, I think I mean I'm we bowled together for the first time. I don't know, like I forget what month it was, May or whatever of last year, maybe I don't know. Um, in that mixed teams event, and we were, I mean, like I said, we'd never bowled together before. We were very comfortable with each other, and you know, so I think it'll be good in that way. It'll it'll help me more than hinder me, like you said, because I think he'll help me to, you know, be a little bit more comfortable. Have you bowled against Jeff before? No. No? Jeremy, your award-winning question. So was there, I mean, I'm going to take a stab and say it's probably Charlie, but like, was there any like bowler that you looked up to or just really enjoyed watching? When I was younger? Or anytime, or, or just no. like, or just like a favorite ball. Like for me as a kid, it was always like you know Tommy Olster or you know something like that. Was there anyone that you really like, kind of like idolized or just you know considered like a favorite? I mean, what growing up and coming up, you know, like I said, after college, and um, I would say that I mean Judy Bowden was one of my you know arch rivals. I would say once I started coming up and. You know, watching her was always, um, you know, something to look forward to and hopefully thinking that I would hopefully get as many accomplishments as she did in the game um, as far as women go. Um, You know, now I said like earlier, you know, when I love watching those guys, you know, any of the Friday night pro league and all those types of things like watching Craig and the, um, you know, in person bowling with him just a few weeks ago. Um, you know, it's just, I just like, I love watching bowling just because it's something that I enjoy. Um, so not anyone in, in particular, I would say, but, um, other than Judy, when I was first coming back up after college, but I mean, it's just enjoyable for me to, you know, watch competitive bowling. I just got one more question that came in. Uh, Kate wanted to know is uh, who was your favorite bowler to bowl against? Oh boy. To bowl against. Hmm. Let's see. I mean, I kind of have like blinders on when I'm bowling against somebody head to head. So, um, but Judy and I, I would say had a few really good matches when, um, we were, you know, she was still bowling a lot, probably like 10, 15 years ago. Um, you know, when I, we bowled in the ladies international, like, like I said, Joanne kind of sticks out to me, Joanne Rosano and, Kelly Stoyles, um, I bowled against her quite a few times. Um, Christy Lipke back in the day, you know, I'm trying to think of the anchor bowlers that I bowled against, you know, in those big tournaments. Um, Tina Ward and I have had a few good matches. Um, good who's who. Brooke and I have bowled against yeah. each other. I don't like bowling against Brooke. I would have to say that I don't like bowling against Brooke <laughs> just because I'm used to cheering for her, not trying to beat her, but... And the same thing with, you know, Shannon Scribner nowadays, um, her and I 
have bowled in a few state tournaments against each other. And she's my teammate, so it's another um, hard one to do. Um, you know, when you enjoy bowling with them and then you have to compete against them, it's a little harder. She got I, the best of me yesterday. I always twice. think about the teammates was uh, the Tommy Olsen, Craig Holbrook Channel 5 match where they kept talking about how they're teammates and Tommy throws a triple strike to crush Craig's chance at the win at the end there. <laughs> so, but it's, it's, it's fun to see them succeed, but at the other end, if they succeed, you're on the, uh, you're on the losing end of that. So. Yep. So that's all I have. I think. Yeah. I, I think that's all. That's all we got. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm, I'm excited for Sunday. Um, I'm going to try not to be a bowling nerd and like geek out too much just because it's just going to be fun. It's just going to be fun for me. I hope so. I'm, I'm really excited and I just hope I'm not too nervous, but let me how you do. Because sure. Jeremy won't. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't hear you. I said, tell me you how you do. Of... Jeremy won't. Oh, I think I'll be in trouble if I do, but <laughs> yeah. all right. Well, thank you so I'm much. I'm sure it'll leak out. I'm sure there'll, well, hopefully there'll be quite a few people there. And I was about I'm to say, sure. you're going to, you're going to bring a crowd with you. Uh, my family's going to come with me, I think. Um, we have softball practice on Sunday night. So, or like in the afternoon. So we haven't ironed out the details yet, but, um, I do have, um, some people coming to cheer me on. So nice. Nice. Like I said, I'm looking fast. Good luck to you. Yeah, definitely. Good luck. I'll see you on Sunday and, uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. No problem. (laughs) Have a good day guys. You too.